0: Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in chilly, clear downtown Manhattan. While your regular host, Michael Nunez, is in warm, cloudy Dominican Republic, I'll be your host, Dave Anderson, here with William Jeffries.
1: Did you really check the weather in the Dominican Republic to say that?
0: I did. That's awesome. It's 88 degrees right there. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: uh, It's toasty. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Factually accurate.
0: Yeah. There's still room for truth in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, what do you want to talk about? What's been on your mind? Tell me. Tell oh, me what's been on your mind. Well, lately. you know,
0: we just started a new client together, William. This is, that's where we did. We're closer coworkers than we usually are. Fact. Um, yeah, and this client is in Ruby, a language that I've never programmed before. I've read it. I appreciate it. It's great, but. Never had to write a line of it. So, uh, this is kind of a different, different ball game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely sympathize. The, um, experience of learning another language is always fun. Um, but when you are doing it for a client, it's a little bit higher pressure. <laughs>
0: <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. A little bit. And it, it was interesting too, because, like, you know, this is not my first, second language that I'm learning. This is kind of like my, second or third that I've really dove into in a deep way. And I feel like I have an understanding of all the tools I need. And so the first step of knowing what kind of questions to ask that you don't necessarily have when you're learning your first language, I feel like that's a little more under my belt now. So I have been very expedient with Googling, and I I know exactly what questions I I want to ask and uh, how I want to get the information back.
1: Yeah, you know all the things you don't know
0: exactly yeah which is great i really like that like i love like the more you know the more you know that you don't know and (laughs) and like you you're aware of what it is but you know it's still there um there's still the unknown unknowns but (laughs) shrinking day by day
1: so what was your ruby experience diving in because you did a bunch of prep work before you even started on the client right i mean i saw you you borrowed the eloquent ruby book uh oh yeah the last um Company meeting.
0: Yeah, that was pretty great actually. Um, so I guess like just to get started, I went to this great site called Learn X and Y Minutes, and they have a page for pretty much any language that you'd want to learn. And Can you pick all, the
1: Y variable as well?
0: Like I want to learn <laughs> <laughs> <There's> <laughs> one no, minute for the, everything. There's no promises on the Y variable. <laughs> it's 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 that's an open the, equation.
1: It's yeah, the dependent variable.
0: <laughs> right. But it, it is really good at getting you a very quick and dirty introduction into like the control structures, the operators, like how you write a class, but then, you know, it leaves a lot of other things open. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I wanted that eloquent Ruby book to fill in because I wanted to know like what the idiomatic Ruby looks like or even what the word is to call idiomatic Ruby because Ruby esque. it's Ruby. It's Ruby. Okay. Because like,
1: I hear people were, say Rubyish and I'm like, ew gross. Yeah, Rubyish doesn't do work for no. me.
0: Pythonic like is is just like definitive. Yeah, Pythonic, uh, but yeah. I I actually like so one of the common like Google things that I would do is recently I've been like really deep into Python. So I'll be like, okay, I really love this thing in Python. So like what's Ruby? Like, how do I pop a key off of a dictionary or a hash in Ruby? And so I'll just search for that and then okay, well it's delete. Okay, great, easy. So I actually like searched for what is the Ruby version of Pythonic, <laughs> and there there was like some disagreement on uh, on Stack Overflow. I feel like you should yeah. get on that answer and like correct them about See, what yeah. it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this gets at one of the core differences between Python and Ruby. Is that in Python there is philosophically one right way to do a thing, and in Ruby there's not. So in Ruby, of course, there's going to be more than one way to refer <laughs> to code as Ruby S, but
0: right mm-hmm. yeah and and that's another thing like in python Pep8 is literally baked into the language it is an enhancement proposal on the language itself it's there in the public record whereas with ruby there's the ruby style guide which is really great and publicly available but it's not immediately like adjacent to you know the main documentation for the language So, you know, finding that style guide, finding the idiomatic Ruby book, Eloquent Ruby, and finding that style guide and using RuboCop and really kind of beating myself up with that, Mm -hmm. like, was pretty nice. Because, like, there's, there's a lot of interesting things, like, in Ruby where you have, unless which is that's a totally Ruby thing. Like, you're oh, just yeah. saving yourself one character. <laughs> actually, ty- not even really, though. Because <laughs> well, you, saving- you could use
1: a bang to negate, and right. there would be way fewer characters. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: Well, you're saving yourself the one character for the bang to negate by typing five characters. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's purely for readability. It's just people think, some people think it looks nicer. I actually don't. I think most people do, and I've sort of acquiesced.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it makes... The logic may be a little bit easier if you don't need to flip everything in your brain all the time. It just kind of makes it more mentally accessible.
1: This is what everybody says to me. And every time I'm like, but no, though, it doesn't. I would rather (laughs) that it just say not. (laughs) Like to me, unless is a harder idea than if. I just want to stick with if. But I must,
0: I mean, I'm definitely in the minority there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, besides, like, those basic structures, like idiomatic structures and ways to talk about things, like, there's a basic tool belt that you need to find when you're learning a new language. Like, um, you need a package manager. In Python, you have pip for everything. Ruby, the obvious answer is gem. For, like, managing your workspace in Python, you have virtual environments. And Ruby, you have bundler. So, you know, kind of, like, realizing that I need something for this. Where is it? Like, there's a hole in my life. I need to fill it. And then, you know, doing the appropriate Googling.
1: Yeah. I think uh, it's also, it's easier translating Ruby to Python because they're very similar languages.
0: That's true, yeah. And so,
1: you know, you're pretty much guaranteed that if you Google, how do you do, like, insert Python thing in Ruby, you're going to get back a Stack Overflow Post that has a comparable thing. Like, PyN It's going to be R-B-E-N-V or R-V-M.
0: Right. There's a lot of, like, porting of x into y like from ruby to python or back actually mostly from ruby to python i think yeah it, yeah it was interesting seeing you know what did actually get pulled from ruby to python like obviously rails is something that was really game-changing when it came out and you know people in the python community we need this uh, so they made django but obviously like in a more explicit Python way but there were certain things that just didn't make the transition over and I feel like testing Frameworks is something that's a lot stronger in Ruby than in Python like for example like for feature testing you have kabibara which wraps around selenium but in Python there's really not any good wrapper for it you just kind of have to grab onto it and use it yourself with a regular WebKit driver. It's it's not too friendly. (laughs) (laughs) But like everyone, it's funny like reading people's comments on it. They're like, this is fine. Like, why would you need anything more? They're just, they're happy with it because it's explicit and it's fine. It's Python. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, What was your first second language?
0: I would say Python is my first second language and Java is my first language. Although I did take courses in high school on like Visual Basic and C++, Fortran for a minute before I just ran away screaming. (laughs) Yeah, like those were just kind of like rote academic things and so Java was the first one that I used in production and so had to deal with the realities of like beyond just having fun and writing code.
1: So would you say that Java is still your mother tongue?
0: I feel like I've gotten more used to Python honestly although I've spent a lot less time with Python. I just kind of really fell in love with the ease that you can get things done and like the syntax, like how it's very clean. I remember seeing like a comparison between how you implement something in Java versus implementing it in JavaScript versus in Python or Ruby. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I really don't want to work on Java projects anymore. (laughs) I need to get myself on a Python project. Because like, you know, just having something as simple as a hash or a dictionary as a first class citizen in the language, like not being relegated to the library, being able to build it from scratch, like right there with the uh, native operators is really powerful. It kind of like reduces the need for a lot of things that you do in Java, like they'll have the boilerplate, like having structures that you're passing around, like value objects, you just don't need it because you can build anything you want from lists and dictionaries or hashes and arrays, whatever you want to call them. Like having those on hand is, pretty awesome.
1: How was it different going from Java to Python and going from Python to Ruby?
0: Going from Java to Python was kind of a bigger leap because going from a statically typed language to a dynamically typed language, I was just appalled by everything (laughs) I saw in Python. At the same time that I really liked it, I was like, how do you know what's going on? This is chaos. (laughs) How can you like have anything functioning in production and understand what's going on? But then, you know, you kind of understand a little bit better about like what it means to write good code and just having good method names and really logical layouts of the program. Where in Java that kind of falls to the wayside because your IDE just does a lot of the work for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a big part of it for me is testing. If I didn't have tests, then I would understand why you you would really need static types because I mean you need some kind of safety. You need mm-hmm. some sort of guard there to protect you. And with testing, it's almost like I can get way more information than I could out of a type mm-hmm. checker. I mean, it's not enough that the number that comes out of the function is an integer. I need to know that it's four. Like, I need this specific number. It has to be that one. If it's not, (laughs) it's wrong. So to me, testing is
0: just a wave. So positive infinity to negative infinity? Like, not going to cut it? (laughs) Yeah,
1: so it's like, to me, I think static typing is almost, it's like an inferior approximation to, to proper test coverage.
0: Yeah, I've seen that analogy where like it's like static typing is your first test case. It's like a test case for free, like making sure that the inputs and outputs are all checking out. And, you know, if you write test cases in a dynamic language, then it's an extra work to do that for yourself. But then you have extra assurances, like you were saying. Um, You
1: don't need to you don't need to check the type if you're checking the actual output.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: I have never done serious testing in a statically typed language. So maybe the static typing actually adds a lot. But it feels to me like once you have the testing the static typing is no longer all that useful yeah I mean and
0: it, it, it makes it a lot harder to write the tests sometimes as well because mocking is a little bit tougher in Java and like you, you can't just monkey patch in whatever you want um, which is a pretty awesome freedom that you can get but I, I do think it's funny how as smaller companies that grew up with Python as startups like Dropbox, are getting bigger and having larger code bases that are harder to maintain, they're starting to invest in building out static typing for Python. And yeah, it's kind of like a weird borrowing and taking from everything else. So it's like optional, optional typing that they have.
1: In Ruby, the uh, statically typed version is called Crystal. Speaking of translating to other languages, what is the crystal of Python? Uh,
0: crystal of Python? Like
1: the like the version of Python with static
0: types. Well, it's in Python. It's just uh, a feature they added, like a type decorator. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's in the, the language. And you can use it for whatever you want, but there's just a program that uses it as type checking. Like, you can... I don't know what you'd use it for. I'm not <laughs> mm-hmm. feeling like kind of... Uh, I can't think of anything right now, but um, yeah, there, there are other... Things you can use it for as well to help your ID or or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting thing too with Ruby. It seems like there's a lot more support for alternative runtimes than there is in Python. Like Python has alternative runtimes, but they I guess because you had the Python two three schism, um, a lot of those runtimes kind of have fallen less in repair. Like they're not as well maintained. Whereas like with Ruby, it seems like if you want to run Rails on JRuby you can do it like it supports the latest versions and well not maybe not the r- latest version of ruby but like you can get get pretty far up there yeah
1: i mean i think there are still some weird bugs like uh, i worked on a production jruby app and there were some weird things where you would google it and it'd be like oh yeah because you're on jruby this is gonna suck for you <laughs> <laughs> ah, you man. made you made choices <laughs> <laughs> Corporate insisting on everything running on the
0: JVM. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the reason. <laughs> Did it interact with Java at all? Or I
1: mean, I think, you know, it makes sense that if, like, if you're in a massive corporation and there is a decision maker who is like 17 levels above you and he's got a massive team of thousands of people that all report up to him and he's got to make sure that, or she has got to make sure that all of her projects are relatively consistent so that there's some fungibility in developers. These mm-hmm. developers don't want to stay on the same project forever. So I guess there's like, there is some sense to saying, okay, well, if you really have to do Ruby when only your team knows Ruby, can you at least make it run on the JVM, please? It's <laughs> <So, laughs> fine. It's a minor. It's much nicer when you're at a startup and it's like, yeah, whatever. Whatever <laughs> you want. No worries. Yeah. We have no code base yet. So you build it in whatever you feel like. Uh, greenfield projects so what were the basic concepts that you were having to translate from Python
0: into Ruby as you were learning. Uh, I can just rattle some off, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you
1: actually have a spreadsheet. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we all have a spreadsheet somewhere. So, what's, what's the first one there? Yeah. So, um, one thing is just kind of knowing what kind of community is out there. What kind of libraries are already developed? Because I think that's something that we all as developers can relate to. We all want to be as lazy as possible and write as little code.
1: Yeah, it's one um, of the three virtues of programmers.
0: Yeah, so you, you, <laughs> you get as little done, or as much done, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you get as much done uh, with as little effort as possible. So there's this movement of awesome languages where there are GitHub repos where people just have this markdown list of all of these great libraries uh, that you can refer to. There's one for Ruby called Awesome Ruby, and there's one for Python called Awesome Python and they kind of go through lists of categories of different things, like this is your task queue, this is your uh, libraries for dealing with audio files, these are your web frameworks, these are your cryptography frameworks, and and just kind of breaking down like what's out there, what do people kind of agree is worth your time to to look into. Uh, so that that's kind of nice to like Have that narrowed down a little bit, so that helps with like picking out a lot of the other things as well.
1: I wonder how they reach consensus on like which of the web frameworks are awesome enough to make the awesome (laughs) Ruby web framework section.
0: (laughs) You know, I that would be an interesting adventure to dive into the PRs and the different discussions that happen in there. I'm sure it gets pretty gnarly. (laughs) Oh yeah, very flaming. Although, maybe it's like at stride here. Like, maybe they have dissenting opinions. Like, oh, yes, I see where you're coming from. Oh, you like that other editor? That's fine. I, I agree with you. Uh, Good day God. to you, sir. It's so hard to have an argument with people. <laughs> <laughs> That's inspiring, right? So the next thing was um, version management, Ruby environment, RBM versus uh, PyEnv, things Ooh, like did that. Did
1: it, it didn't list RVM as an option?
0: Well, under... under uh,
1: did Rbn win...
0: Under awesome, awesome list, yeah. Um, I think they're both on there, okay. Yeah, I think they're both pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They are both pretty awesome. People do have strong opinions about that, but it would be hard, I think, to include RBN without including RVM,
0: yeah. Because
1: RVM, I mean, I mean, personally, I think philosophically, RBN is the way to go, but mm -hmm. RVM is more popular. I I would be very surprised if Ruby tool toolbox doesn't show RBN is like significantly behind.
0: Oh well, I guess that's that's the one thing that they don't do. They don't like sort them by popularity or yeah. like upvotes or anything. It's just an alphabetic list of things in this. So we, yeah. you don't. Have, it's like okay, well, which one goes first? Uh, I guess it's. Yeah, RBM, RBM yeah. wins because it's alphabetically first. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like Ruby
1: Toolbox is because it shows you the popularity, and so it just makes it really easy to be a lemming.
0: Oh, just follow the crowd. Okay, yeah, I didn't come across that one, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that resource. in my back pocket. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> I'm gonna Google that. Like, what's the Python version of Ruby Toolbox? <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, so I mean, knowing where your documentation is, the forms of documentation that people are doing, like how they write documentation inside the code, like if you're doing auto-generated docs, oh, those yeah. are all like important like questions. So that came up. Unit testing and feature testing, you know, things like RSpec and PyTest, Kavibar, like we mentioned before, and nothing for Python, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are some things, but I think they're not as good. Maybe debugging is really important too. bybug or PyDB or all those fun things. Just being able to get out of a bind where like you don't understand exactly what's happening in the code. Just so much, so much better to like use a fully featured debugger and step through it than throw in a bunch of console logs or what have you.
1: Is there more than one debugger popular debugger in Python? Um, or is, is there consensus? I've,
0: I've used PyDB mainly. That's included in the standard library, so like, okay. like that's
1: a good way to like be dominant is mm-hmm. being in the standard library.
0: Yeah, that's something that happens a lot with Python. Like, they do roll a lot of third-party libraries into the standard library, and they kind of become the. You the Python definitive way. option. Yeah. The Pythonic way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the one and true way. Unit test got rolled into Python like a long time ago. And then Nose was a test runner that made it a lot easier to run your tests. And that got rolled in eventually as well, like more recently. And yeah, it just keeps on building up. Yeah, we talked a little bit about style, like style on linters, also pretty important members of the the awesome list, I guess, as well. But when I mean, you don't have to worry about like how your style is and you can just have confidence that you can run a linter and it'll guide you towards the Ruby-ish way.
1: <laughs> Ruby-esque. Oh, God, Ruby-ish, it burns. I should be more tolerant. If yeah. you want to say Ruby-ish, that's fine.
0: <laughs> uh That was the closest we had to a flame flame war yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess like benchmarking tools and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. What did you come across for benchmarking tools? For benchmarking, I came across benchmark for Ruby. I think it's included in the standard library. All right. Well, there we go. Yeah. Done and done. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, okay. I, I need no more. In Python there's time it, which is kind of nice because it has a command line interface. So if you want to know what the best possible way to like assign values to a dictionary or do a list comprehension is, you can just throw that in your time it and it'll run it a bunch of times. You will get some statistical averages of how good it is. So I would love to find something like that for Ruby as well. But
1: That's cool. Like any other lessons learned as you made this transition into
0: Ruby? I feel like my brain's there. I just need my muscle memory to get in there. So I think there's just a lot of practice. In the end, you have to do some exercises and kind of get out of your comfort zone and keep pushing yourself. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. You want to jump into some teach and learns? Do we have some teach and learns?
1: I think pairing earlier today we had a little <laughs> bit of a teachable, yeah. learnable yeah. moment.
0: Yeah. There was some learning, some teaching, some failing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: learning from failure important. <laughs> Yes. So how was it that we got into this situation? It was like we were trying to test some untested legacy code.
0: Yeah, so I was making changes to some legacy code. So I wanted to have some confidence about how it was working, like what what was coming out of it. And so we knew exactly what we wanted to do. It was going to be a short test, like, you know, five lines of code, really easy. Um, So we got everything set up and then we kind of hit some walls with, some uh, some dependencies uh, yeah
1: i think it was uh, a social media library that we didn't have imported in our test file and uh, then we yeah. like banged our head against trying to get it imported for a while and then eventually we're like wait a minute let's just mock this this is not relevant to the test at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah mocking is pretty awesome and I guess that goes on the list too. That should be on the list. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mocking, mocking my face. <laughs> it's like one of the many unit testing tool belt things. Like once you get that muscle memory down and it becomes second nature, then it's a lot easier. I feel like that's the one thing that has a lot of uh, challenging syntax because it's very conversational almost. Like if assert like this, whatever should be, blah, blah.
1: We could do a whole episode on like mocks versus spies versus
0: stubs versus doubles. Stay tuned. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to have to do some research before that episode. (laughs) All right. Well, it was great talking with you. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you found something helpful for learning your next language, be it your first, second language or your second or third, second language. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.